Thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you. That sounds like most of you. Real excited about what we're going to be sharing with you today. We've got a lot of things to touch on, so please take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. It is the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Everybody say this with me while you're turning there. What I have, I give. Let's try that again. What I have, I give. Now let's try it like we mean it together. What I have, I give. Hallelujah. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This was this man's habit to be there every day and basically eking out his existence by receiving from others. To ask alms from those who enter the temple. Verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John went out to go into the temple. Uh, I'm sorry. Into the temple asked for alms. And verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. Everybody say that loud. What I do have... I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement and what, at what had happened to him. And then he went and got a job and started making his own money. That's my little translation at the end of it. But uh, I have a feeling that's what happened. Huh? What I have, I give. See, Peter at that moment did not have on his person what the guy was wanting. But what Peter had was exactly what the man needed. Hallelujah. Exactly what the man needed. He didn't need one more handout. He had had lots of handouts that kept him crippled and begging at the gate day after day. It was the same old story with this guy. And I assumed that maybe he woke up that morning and felt like everything was going to pretty much turn out the same way it did the day before and the day before that. That somebody was going to drop a couple of quarters in his hand, a little nickel here and there, and he was going to scrounge up enough money to go get him a hot bowl of chili at Wendy's for 99 cents and then go back, get carried back to the gate only to try to get supper. Day in and day out. But this day was no ordinary day. This day, two men were walking and one of them had something to give. You know, there are people that are coming in and out of your life every day. You work with them. You're, you're with them in your home, your own family. You're around them all the time. And it might just be that you have something to give them. You could turn that ordinary work-a-day life into something quite extraordinary. If you'll be of the mindset, what I have, I give. Let's say that again. What I have, 
I give. This needs to be the greatest year. I believe for this to be the greatest year in the life of Cornerstone Worship Center. I believe that with all my heart. And it's only great because you're here and God's doing great things through you. The Bible says that the people that know their God are strong and do great exploits. Hallelujah. We're not just people that are eking out an existence. We're people that know what we have and are willing to give it. Are you with me today? Hmm? What I have, that's what I give. This year, we're moving into more opportunity for you as a church to give you the opportunity to give what you have. Because, you know, we don't always have it. I mean, God sets up opportunities for us, but it's my duty. It is my position. It's my calling as pastor of Cornerstone Worship Center and Pastor John's calling as pastor of all of our congregations, Pastor Everett's and Garland, Pastor Troy's and Little Elm, that we equip you for the work of the ministry. It's not enough for me to just do work of the ministry. It's all of us together as, a, as the body of Christ, as a local body, come together that I stand here and I equip you with the word of God on a weekly basis and you go out of here and you do the work of the ministry. It's really that simple. That all of us play our part. And so I want you to have this mindset every day. I've got something to give. I don't just have something to have. I don't just have something to, to, to hold and, 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 and caress and, and think this is really neat. I'm not here to preach the word to you to, to not only encourage you, but I want you to take this and give it to somebody else. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. The sower gives the word. All of you are sowers here today. And so we all have to be at that place in our lives that we're willing to just give whatever we have. At any moment, whenever the Holy Ghost talks to us, whenever he inspires us, whenever he, we get that unction to give it away. To not hold on to things, just, just to hold on to things. Because stuff comes in in your life and stuff leaves your life. Anybody live long enough to understand that? Hmm? How many of you have lost something really valuable? Hmm? Yeah. And you finally just had to learn to let it go, didn't you? Right? To just let it go because it's just stuff. You're not taking it with you anyway. Right? And if you could use stuff, and if you could use what's in you to make a difference in somebody's life, what a reward there will be for you in the end. Hallelujah. Yeah. So much better than the possession of that thing. Yeah. Amen. A few years ago, I got a call from a, a lady in our church who had, was new to Christ, and, and uh, her and her soon-to-be husband were um, expecting a baby, and they were trying to get their lives on track. They weren't Christians at the time that they had come together, but they were trying to get their lives on track, and they were coming to church and about to, about to be married, and, and she, was, she was swelling up pregnant, and, uh, but she, I, she heard us preaching on faith and believing God for good things and expecting a good pregnancy, and she had come out of a lot of fear in her life. And, uh, and so she, she just learned to overcome the struggle, uh, to, you know, to struggle through and to fight and overcome that fear that, that she just let dominate in her life for so long. And, and so she began to believe God for a good pregnancy. And uh, even though, you know, she didn't become pregnant in the right way, the fact is God was merciful and God's gracious and they were looking forward. They're looking ahead. She was in the hospital about to give birth to her baby. And she was believing God. She was claiming she was going to have this baby naturally and everything was going to go fine. I'm sitting at home, and my phone rings, and she calls, and she's frantic. Pastor Eric, you got to get here. They say they're going to have to take the baby C-section, and I've, this is not what I've been believing for this entire time. I need you to come and pray for me right now because I told the doctors, you're not touching me until my pastor comes and prays for me. No pressure there. 
So I jolted out the door, went down to the hospital, and there she lay. And they said the baby was breech, and, there was, and, and it, was, it was becoming critical, as, as many of you know, it's becoming critical to the baby's life that they get this baby out of this tummy because the, uh, who knows what could happen. And maybe the cord was wrapped around its neck. They you know, just didn't know. They just knew it was real critical. And so they said, you, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision. And so uh, I, I walked in, and she said, please pray for me. She said, I'm believing God. I've been claiming this, and I know that I'm going to get what I asked for. I just know all you got to do is pray for me. I said, okay. So she's laying on her back, and she's got this mound of tummy like this. So I just walked up and put my hands on on her tummy. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And when I said that, I felt something move in that, that tummy. I just felt a shift, physically felt a shift. And I looked at her and I said, it's okay now. I just knew it. It's okay now. The nurse came in a few minutes later, and she checked, and sure enough, that baby's head was ready to come out. I mean, it was just amazing, just like that. Listen to me. Listen to me. The pressure is not so much on you. It, the power is all in the name of Jesus. All I had to do was show up and enforce that name. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? All you have to do is show up and enforce the name because he's got all the power that you need. He's got all the power in heaven and in earth and above the earth. Nobody is more powerful than Jesus Christ himself. And he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But these signs follow those who believe who those who are willing to give what they have hallelujah and God wants to do extraordinary things to you and he can do extraordinary things to you if you'll just be willing to give what you have hallelujah and as a church we must be determined to give what we have been given It's not just enough to come here and receive this rich word and this fantastic preaching that you get every week. Amen? But (laughs) And and to never take the opportunity to give it to someone. It's not enough for us to hear the gospel. That is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power. It's not enough for us, us to hear it and to never share it with others who so desperately need it. We must give what we have. By whatever measure and whatever way, we must be of the mindset, what I have, I give. I believe this is the year that we determine as a church to no longer be unknown by many in this city. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of saying where I go to church and they go, where's that? I don't want to be that church. I want to be the church that's got its hand on the pulse of the city. Hmm? I want to be the church that this city can't live without. Otherwise, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied because when I read the Bible and it talks about this great and glorious church and it talks about how we have all the authority in the name of Jesus to go and do works he did and greater, this sounds like a powerful moving force in the earth to me. Hmm? Not just another church on a corner. I want to be a takeover church. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence or allows violence and the violence seize it by force. Huh? Not on just being another nice church like Pastor John says. We're an angry church. We're not angry at people. We're angry at the kingdom of darkness. And we're going to do everything we can to help enforce the kingdom of God on this earth. And to destroy and to continue the work that Christ did. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. 
and do our very best to not let anybody find their way to hell from McKinney, Texas. That we as Cornerstone Worship Center slam the door shut. Hallelujah. We bring people into the kingdom. We open up our arms and say, you're welcome here. This is a place of grace. This is a place of life. This is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. This is a place where your life can truly change. You can truly know what the power of God is. You can truly know what peace is. You can truly know what joy is. Hallelujah. You can truly know what fellowship and friendship is all about. And if that means starting new things, then we'll start new things. And if that means stopping old things, then we'll stop old things. If we just got to do whatever it takes to give what we have. Hallelujah. The Bible says without vision, finish it. Without vision, what happens if people without vision? They perish. They perish. One version says they cast off restraint. Without vision, and in the literal text, it means without progressive vision. Ladies and gentlemen, God is a progressive God, and he is continually moving. Jesus said, I will build my church. He hasn't stopped yet. He's still building. The kingdom is still moving. Things are changing. Amen. In my 38-plus years of being in church, I have seen a lot of change in church. A lot. How, long, how many of you have been here in church 38-plus years? Yeah, me and all the old people. All right, good, that's good. Just kidding. I have. Raised in church, and I, I love church, and, and I've seen God do incredible things in church. And I'm so glad I was there to see him. And I'm so glad I'm going to be here to see even more powerful things happen and wonderful things that God's going to do. And you get the things that you'd never see anywhere else. You know, I was, uh, I was in Denver, Colorado, me and Heather and Brandon and Sarah, Last weekend, that's where we were. We weren't in church. We were at a football game. But uh, anyway, well, it's been my lifelong dream to see the Denver Broncos play football. And uh, I love that team. I fell in love with them in the eighth grade. My dad still goes, I don't know why you did that. But, you know, I still love the Cowboys. I got love for the Cowboys. And y'all notice I quit praying for them and they started winning? Because God knows I'm not really truly a full fan of them. So uh, (laughs) anyway... We had a great time. And, 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 and it's hard to be a Broncos fan in Texas. That's not been the easiest thing in the world. Because I always get, why? Why don't you root for Dallas Cowboys? You know, and so it's not been the easiest thing. It's better than being a Redskins fan around here, I'm sure. But uh, I just, it's just not been easy for me. It really hasn't. I've been kind of by myself, you know, with my Bronco hat and jacket or whatever I've got on to support my team. But Gary knows what it's like. He's a Giants fan for Pete's sake in Cowboy Country. Huh? <laughs> anyway, it's just not easy. But when I got to Denver, guess what? It was real easy. I mean, I walked around, everybody had Bronco hats on and jackets and shoes and socks and gloves and everything that you could imagine. I was these are my people. And, 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 and then, even better, we showed up at Mile High Stadium. And even Brandon and Sarah caught the fever. They even bought some uh, Bronco material. Of course, after it was over, Brandon said, my, my hypocrisy goes only so far. And he took his hat off and gave it to me after the game was over. But, but he was there with me, praise God. But, I mean, they caught the fever, you know. And so I look around. There's blue and orange all over the place. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is amazing. It was beautiful. It was my football dream. Hallelujah. It was wonderful to be there with people who all felt the same way I did. Hallelujah. And you know what? The Broncos stunk it up. They played terrible football. They played terrible. They got whooped all over the field. But I didn't care. I was there. I was rooting for my team. 
eight and eight as they are. <laughs> Missing the playoffs and everything. I was rooting for them. Why? Because that's my team. Now listen to me. Things happen in church. Changes take place in church. And we all come here and we all feel so wonderful about being you. You know, you've been out there in that world and you face people at work and you, you know, and they don't feel the same way about God that you do. And you can't talk to people like you talk to people in church about the good things of God and, and have people sharing that with you. And, and all you hear is that everybody's hypocrites and you hear foul language out there and you hear people not talking right and you wish to God you were around people of God. And if you didn't have church, where would you be? But when you come to church, it's like, oh, everybody feels the same way I do. Hallelujah. This is what I've been looking for. We cannot survive without the church as Christians. We got to have it. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you something. There's things that happen on that field. I was watching that team and I'm, think, I'm going, what kind of call is that? But you know what? I didn't quit rooting for them. And you know, I might not like everything that goes on at church. You know, I might not understand it, but listen to me. Don't switch teams. Don't switch teams. Are you hearing me? Stay with it. Bloom where you are planted. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. I don't know about you, but my life has flourished by being a part of the local church. Amen. But like I said, over the years, I've seen a lot of changes in church, you know. I mean, we thought the height of music at one point was out of that little hymnal book. I mean it. Here's a typical service in our little country church in southern Oklahoma. And the, the music leader would get up there and he would say, anybody got a song? Number 49. And we'd all flip through the pages. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Stuff like that. And it would, uh, how about you, Bob? Number 119. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, yeah, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. You know, it was like that. And so, and I mean, we had revival. Things were happening. I mean, things were going on. Miracles were taking place. I told the earlier, I mean, I, we watched a, a little boy raised from the dead right there in church. I saw it with my own eyes. I can't dispute it. It was incredible. I mean, it was a great time. But you know what? God's got a progressive vision. And things started moving. And then we, and then we ended up at Christ for the Nations. Dad and, <clears throat> was a student there in 1976. And man, did we hit a whole new level of music. Never, never, never have I ever, ever, ever been so happy, happy, happy with my Lord. I mean, this is like revolutionary. Never, never, never have I ever, ever, ever been so happy in my life before. He took away my sadness and he filled my heart with gladness and he gave me all that heaven could afford. Never, never, never have I ever, ever, ever been so happy, happy, happy with my Lord. And revival was breaking out. I mean to tell you, people were coming into the kingdom because of never, never, never. Woo! 
And then we did stuff like, uh, he poured in the oil and the wine. Y'all remember that song? The kind that restoreth my soul. He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road, and he poured in the oil and the wine. So, you know, and, 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 and I thought, you know, well, it can't get any better than this. And then, and then the church, you know, people were coming in. Seriously, during that time, uh, um, the Jesus movement was taking place, and hippies were coming into the church. Long-haired hippie people. Smelly hippie people coming into the church. Any of those hippies still here today? <laughs> huh? Huh? And, so, and so they had to get creative. Okay, we got to teach these people the word, so we need to start writing word songs, right? So we started doing stuff like, out of the Psalms, give ear to my words, O Lord, just so they memorize it, you know, consider my meditation, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Whoops, unplug my guitar. Help me out, D-Rock. And so we sing, we sing psalms, and, and then like a revolutionary psalm hit when a, when, a, when a boy at Christ for the Nations went over to the music room. He was pouting because, uh, because his girlfriend broke up with him. And uh, he, he was drowning his sorrows on his piano, and all of a sudden, the, song, the words to this song came. Such a spiritual moment. As the deer panteth for... The water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You know, songs like that, you want to finish it? You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You know, great things were continuing to happen. People still getting saved, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, people getting set free, and music just kept on moving. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about here? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it happen and think, wow, 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 this has got to be it. Man, then it was time to get back to our roots, you know. And, and in the 80s, the charismatic two-step came in, and everybody was in church doing this right here. You got to know the charismatic two-step, dancing around the church or dancing up in the front. And we had to get back to the Jewish roots, as David did in Jehovah's sight. I will dance with all my might before the King of kings. 
as Miriam did with the tam. And so when we said tambourine, then like all these ladies would come out in white dresses, you know, with their, with their tambourines. And then it was like, this isn't enough. We must make banners. And so, and so people started getting like royal blue and purple banners, you know, and, and putting bells on the bottom of them and writing out, you know, praise ye the Lord and little scriptures like that. We started putting them all over our walls. And now we're like the temple of David. And we lived all those Jewish songs. And I was... Is that? No, we didn't sing that one in church. Uh, I think that's Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> anyway. Um, and that was like, seriously, that was like ultimate. It really was. It was ultimate. A lot, a lot of dancing during that time, and people kept coming into the kingdom of God. And, but you know what? The church just kept on progressing. It, <laughs> thank God, Gary said. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the more of those, those, little, those little minor key tunes that you could put together in a medley, the more spiritual you were. You know, you go 45 minutes, just polka, boom, 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 you know. And we'd try to outdance each other, you know. You whip, you're not a real Christian. Get some water. <clears throat> anyway, but great times. And then I went to Christ for the Nations in 1989 and, uh, and, and, and when I came out, came back to West Texas, this new song had hit. And it was like, wow, this is the ultimate song. <laughs> celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Now sing it if you know it. Yes, he is risen. He is risen. And he lives forevermore. He is risen. He is risen. Come on, celebrate. The resurrection of our Lord. I mean, music got like really complicated. It was really cool, all those syncopations. And, and then every rock and roller wanted to be a part of that. You know, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. That's cool. Anyway, and then like, you know, a lot of the horns came in. And, and worship music just took this whole new level. It was just really wonderful. And, and I thought, this is the peak. This is it. God's coming back. But he didn't come back. And we had to move on. Huh? We just had to move on. I, I didn't think we'd ever get over Celebrate Jesus. I really didn't. And I was worship leader during that time. I wanted to do it every week. Uh, let's see. What are we gonna, oh, we're going to do Celebrate Jesus. And uh, also, you know, I mean, it was just a great song. But then, and then a few years later, I want to say around 94, 95, a little girl out of Australia wrote a song that went all over the world. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort. My shelter, tower of refuge. 
refuge and strength. Let every breath, oh, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Yeah. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. seas will roar oh at the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands yes forever I'll love you forever I'll stand oh nothing compares to the promise I have in you. See, what if we had stopped? What if we had stopped somewhere along the way and this song was never realized? But see, God keeps using another generation. And the church keeps moving forward. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Notice I didn't play any newer stuff because I don't really know it all that well. Um, but <laughs> leave that to Candace and the gang. But, uh, but the stuff that we did, I just love this music. I, 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 it's so wonderful and I love that they keep wanting to progress and keep wanting to, to do newer things. The plans of his heart to all generations. That means God has a plan for this generation, but God still has a plan for the next generation and the next generation after that. And whatever it takes to get the kingdom advanced, that's what we're going to do. And we're not going to get stuck in a rut. We're not going to get stuck in a certain way of doing things. Are you hearing me today? Because, you know, it's sad for me to see, and I appreciate all the music I've learned and I, I use it. When, if I'm in the shower and I'm, sing, I'm singing hymns. I'm singing stuff that I learned when I was a kid, you know. I, I love all of it. I think it's all wonderful, but we're building on a foundation and we're continuing to build and grow and grow and grow. And, and what I, what's sad to me is to see over the years people stuck in a certain era of church, you know, and you can define them usually by the music era. And, and because something powerful happened in their lives, you know, something wonderful happened. Maybe they got saved during that time or, you know, maybe they got married during the, or had kids and just something really wonderful happened. And so they think, well, this is the ultimate. But hey, 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 don't let the church run off and leave you because we're moving forward. We're marching forward and, and God's building his church. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the wrong construction site. I want to be on the site where Jesus is building. Amen? Amen. Are you hearing me today? Are you with me? Amen. Hmm? And so, as a result, God's leading us in a new direction as a church. Amen. Pastor John has, has it in his heart, believes the Lord has spoken to him, and I believe he has too, that things are going to change for, in 2010 for Cornerstone Worship Center. In order for us to become that church that our city can't live without, we must continue to move forward. Yes. We must continue to grow and embrace what it takes. Because here's the truth. The message will never change. That is, Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever believes that message is saved. I love that. I love that. That it was about what Jesus did. Whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. We'll never change that message, ladies and gentlemen. It will always be about Jesus. But what method we use, 
we'll change that. Amen. A method that worked years ago doesn't work anymore. A method that works right now, years from now, that's not going to work. As long as we keep the message sacred. Are you hearing me? And keep moving forward with different methods. Are you with me? Blessed are the flexible. For they, not may, they shall not be bent out of shape. Is that, is that the scripture? Matthew chapter 5. That's one of the Beatitudes. The ninth one, I think. You remember I gave you that illustration about the rubber band and the zip tie? Now, I love zip ties. I think they're one of the greatest inventions in the world. And, uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, it was baling wire. But then, but then we evolved to the zip tie. But, you know, the thing about the zip tie is, I mean, it works great and it's, it's real handy. But when it's locked in place, it's done. I mean, the only way to remove it is to snap it in half, right? And then it's useless. But a rubber band, you can wrap it around something and then take it off and just keep using it. Oh, how many rubber bands I got out there today? <laughs> Who's a zip tie? No, don't admit that in front of everybody. <laughs> but openness is essentially the willingness to grow. A distaste for ruts, eagerly standing on tiptoe for a better view of what tomorrow brings. I love that. The great, uh, some of you will know this guy, the great uh, theologian Grady Nutt from Hee Haw said that. Um, <laughs> but we'll, like I said, we'll never change the message, but the method must change. You know, this past year, with help from Brother Gary Glockner and, and, and Randy, Stacy, and, Derek and Gary, uh, Greg Farlow and, and, and some other guys, we launched a ministry called North Texas Energy Plan in our church where we were, we, we've, were funded some money to help our lower income families in our community by helping them become green, by weatherizing their homes and making them more energy efficient. What we would do is bring in uh, uh, insulation for their home and also put all new CFL Rated light bulbs in their houses, uh, new, uh, fixing their air conditioning units, replacing window units if we need to, putting a new refrigerator in there, helping their home become more energy efficient. And we did over $100,000 of ministry from September until December. Wow. Praise God. We just scratched the service. This year, we're believing for $2 million. To be, to be passed to us and through us because we, we, we believe in meeting a need. You know, to give what we have like the Apostle Peter did and to take what God gives us and to give it. And uh, Gary's a, a big part of that and, and he's our contractor for, for all that work and just does fine work and we've just had great testimonies come out of what's happened so far and we're believing to reach as many people as we can with that North Texas Energy Plan uh, to get into people's homes. And if you know somebody who is, you know, who, all they simply have to do is just qualify for the program. It's very simple and, and uh, we can give you information about that. But uh, we've helped a lot of families and we're looking to do a whole lot more this year. We have a fantastic youth group. I don't know if you are aware that we have a pile of teenagers that are radically saved and love Jesus. One of our teenagers that are here stand up. Now this, y'all stand up. Stand up. I want to let everybody look at you. Yeah, look at them. Now listen, it's been said, it's been said by, uh, by, one of the great uh, fathers of faith, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a guy by the name of Willie George, who started his church with a kids' ministry, and the church just exploded. And he says that if a church has 10% of its 
of its uh, 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 core is our teenagers, then that's a healthy church. That, thank you, guys. God bless you. That, that if 10% of the church is made up of teenagers, then that's a healthy church, and it's sure to continue to move forward. I mean, if it gets less than that, then the church has trouble in the future. But if you've got 10% of youth, you're doing really well. We have about 300 people in our church here in McKinney, and on Wednesday nights, we have an average of 150 teenagers. 50%. God is in this thing. Are you hearing me? God is in this thing. God's doing wonderful things, and we're going to do whatever it takes to keep that youth ministry thriving, hallelujah, and keep it going forward, because these kids are reaching out to other kids, and, and it's, it's infiltrating in our schools, and I believe that our youth group is going to be like our church, a youth group that this city cannot live without, even if Jeremy Parham is in charge of it. <laughs> Pastor John says, we know he's not that good. God's got to be doing something. Nah, I'm just, just kidding. Jeremy, you've done a fantastic job, and I want to applaud you, man. You're wonderful. And... God's blessing you, man. Increase in your life. You've sowed great seed and made great sacrifice to be where you are, and God's honoring that. Amen. Because he easily could have been a rock star. I'm serious. And he chose the ministry. And, and on Sunday nights, oh, this is what I'm excited about. Oh, by the way, we're going to be planting more churches too. Amen. But we had a, we had a meeting with, um, with uh, uh, our developer, a guy by the name of Martin Sanchez. He used to work for the city. And he says, I'm going to help you start on that building project this year. And, and, and we believe it's no later than summer that we'll have stuff coming up out of that ground. So... We're real excited, and we're going to get aggressive, majorly aggressive on our building project. Just keep praying and keep sowing. Listen to me. It's coming, and it's coming quickly, and I'm so excited about it. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. We'd like to invite you to one of our services in McKinney, Garland, or Little Elm. And for more information about those service times and locations, you can check us out on the web at www.cornerstone.com a better life for us. We hope you enjoyed this. God bless you.